I'd like to have my guests introduce themselves. Could you share a bit about yourself? Hey, so I'm Ahmed. You can call me AK if that's too hard. Uh, my preferred pronouns are he, him. I'm working remotely now, so I travel a lot. Still home based in Toronto, but Mexico has kind of become my winter home. Um, I spend it in like Tulum. And for my work that I'm doing these days, I'm leading a product and design team for a startup called Time Saved here in Toronto. And when I'm not doing that, I'm usually looking for good music and good parties. Could you tell us a little bit about Time Saved? Uh, we build software for staffing agencies. So it's a kind of three sides to it. There's the clients, that's a company that's looking for workers. And they then reach out to an agency who fills the positions. And they have sort of a roster of workers that they have that can be put into those positions. Right now, most staffing agencies still use like a really old school process where they have a lot of phone calling and emailing back and forth. So our first goal is to just digitize the, the communication between those three players. And I'm super curious. So Tulum and Toronto, do you have an office in each? Do you work remotely or do you work part time? Uh, yeah, I, I work remotely. So even when I'm in Toronto, the office is uh, kind of far outside of downtown. So I only go like once a week. So we got used to that. And uh, the rest of the team is there most of the time. So there's only two or three people remote. Um, but that's like just enough to keep it not strange for me to be remote. And you work from home or do you work from a co-working space that's like a little bit closer to, to where you are? Mostly home or coffee shops. Because I travel often enough, it's not really like worth it to have a co-working membership. And what's it like working from Tulum? I, I uh, haven't been there myself, so I've, I'd love to hear what that's like. Do you... Do you find yourself, you know, working different hours because of the time difference and, you know, what's maybe like the the work culture like there? Do you try to like fit into the local work culture a little bit more? Uh, well, actually, same time zone, Eastern. So that's really nice. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, it's super nice. And it's amazing to be there because you can be on the beach, you can be, you know, like... 30 minutes walk from a cenote. So you, whenever you kind of need a break, there's always something amazing to do right in front of you. And so like last winter, I had like a really big pool right outside my apartment in the, in the sort of like apartment block that I was living in. And so whenever I'd had like a meeting that was getting kind of stressed and I would just like start to be feeling the pressure, I'd just like at the end of the meeting, I would just go take a few laps in the pool and then get back to work. <laughs> I'm so jealous right now. That sounds amazing. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. And you said you uh, are often like looking for new music and listening to music. Mm -hmm. What kind of music do you listen to? Uh, so I've built up a vinyl collection over the last five, six years. And most of that is house or techno music. Um, and that's kind of like the music I like to actively play, like, you know, having friends over or going over to someone's place and having like vinyl kind of sets. But otherwise, like on my own kind of downtime, it's a lot of like rap, indie, like folk, jazz, pretty, pretty diverse across the range. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Some people really like to talk about design tools in our industry. Do you have do you have strong feelings in design tools? What What's your workflow like? What's uh, what's your tool set? And maybe what would be helpful to share also is um, what tools you use to like help you be a remote employee. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely got strong opinions. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I'm honestly surprised people are still able to use Sketch because it's so slow for me. Like, I don't know if it's something I'm doing wrong or my computer, but like, I've got a pretty modern computer and I just can't even use Sketch because it's so slow. Um, so for speed, my tool of choice is Figma. Um, and then every once in a while when I really need something complicated, I'll jump into Framer and, and make that happen there. Um, but I haven't found it able to kind of be the smooth tool that I want to use on a daily basis. Um, and what about for remote working? Uh, what are your tools to like stay connected to your team, to share work, to get feedback, like all that? Yeah, it's like the, I think the, the usual sort of remote stack of like Zoom and Slack is the main part of communication. Um, getting like very good with calendar invites. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't something that I always had in my previous startups because it was very much like five people surrounding a table. And now it's like, okay, everything kind of is on a schedule, on a calendar. Um, but it's fine. I get used to that. One other thing that really helps is that we use Notion for all of our documentation and everything. So I, I kind of always tell people, like, you can talk about it on Slack, but if you want it to exist on any sort of permanent basis, you have to put it into Notion. I think that's great to have that because I think a lot of people sometimes commit something to Slack and they're like, oh, it's taken care of. Yeah, exactly. And then it's like gone <laughs> <laughs> the next day. And uh, you lead design. Have you led design before? Uh, no, not really. Like I've worked in smaller startups where I'm sort of the only designer and in that way I have, but this time is the first time that I'm leading like a full product team. And what's that transition been like for you? I love it. I really do. I think sometimes when you sort of transition away from working in design tools all day, people start asking you like, oh, do you miss it? Do you miss like actually designing yourself all the time? And thankfully, I still get a good amount of that um, because it's still a very small team. It's only two designers. So I still do a lot of design work myself. But I found that the more that I am able to actually work with people and sort of like shape their projects and help them kind of get to their objectives, um, that's like the really fun part of my job these days. That's I, I love doing that. And we've been able to do some cool stuff, um, especially with the engineers where, and, and you know, let me know if you, if you feel like this or if you know what I'm kind of getting at here. But I, I found like with a lot of the sprint, agile, um, scrum methodologies, it felt a lot like we were taking these engineers who are supposed to be these creative problem solvers and, and kind of using them as if they're assembly line workers. So a big part of what I've been trying to do is, is get them to be more sort of product and design oriented. So we, you know, they take on a project with an outcome and they, they figure out how to get there. I've, I've experienced that a lot too. It's, it's usually like one side of the equation of like developer on one side, designer on the other. One side is treated like a service organization where like requests come in to do it, please execute it, it's done. And yeah, you're right. I think that like intersection of like those two teams are solving the problem together and should be like coming up with solutions together is definitely like a, a more realistic workflow for like getting products built and things done in a way w where everyone enjoys working there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how And how big is the team at Time Saved? It's 13 people full-time right now. Nice. So, it, you know, you, you have the opportunity to, like, know everybody and, and collaborate and probably, tell me if I'm wrong, like, experiment with new types of working together. Yeah, absolutely. Like, what I just mentioned, like, we kind of moved away from Jira and more to, like, 
notion and more away from tasks and towards projects, away, you know, away from sprint points towards goals and outcomes and, and measurements. And all of those things were so new for most of the people on the team. And it's one of those things where, you know, I I tried to introduce some of those ideas at previous companies, but when when it's a larger company or when it's sort of like an established process, it's really hard to do that. Because then people are like, wait, but everyone does this other thing and you're telling us not to do it. So how do we trust you? But within the small team, like you really get the chance to work with everyone individually. So even if they're really not used to this or they kind of need a lot of like discussion to, to sort of start to understand that what you're after, um, you're able to have that like one-on-one -on -one time with everyone. You're able to really like, t you know, talk it out and, and make it work. That's, that's fantastic. That's such a nice opportunity. I, I usually like to ask like what was one piece of advice you have for like a newer designer, but maybe you can frame this too of like, since you have designers working for you, um, like what's one piece of advice that you've like given, given one of your reports or, or, or one thing that you've done to help them like grow as a, a younger or less experienced designer than yourself? I think a lot of times it's about not necessarily coming to me with an answer because then I find that what happens is when they feel like they don't have an answer, they don't come to me at all. And it's when I, like when I give someone an assignment or a task, it's not like, okay, now go finish that completely 100% and then come back to me when you have like the perfect answer. It's like, go do some discovery work and then come back and show me what you've discovered. And then let's talk about that. And then from there, maybe we'll choose a few directions and then you can go follow those threads and see where they lead. So at every point, you're really just sort of finding more information. And it's that first step that I feel like a lot of junior designers don't feel like they have the right to do. Like they feel like they need to just come back with an answer and rather than come back with more questions and more information. That's great. You sound like a great manager. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. And then I always want to flip this on the head. Like what advice would you give to somebody like more senior, like a more senior designer, maybe someone in your same position at a different company? What advice do you have for maybe yourself, I guess, in, in or someone in your shoes? Well, I guess one thing I noticed for myself this year is that sometimes I was assuming uh, the designers, uh, the junior designers that I was working with, knew to, knew how to do things um, that I I just kind of figured like oh you must know how to work like this in Sketch and then one day I found myself like looking over their shoulder when I was actually in the office and I was like oh okay there's like ten plugins I need to show you and there's like all these keyboard shortcuts and all these things that I figured you know but I guess I'd never really asked. And so their workflow was way slower. And I was always wondering, you know, why is this taking so long? Like, what's going on there? And then I, you know, it took a day at the office looking over their shoulder to understand it. Um, and that's also something really hard about remote work because it's not like I'm going to ask you to share your screen and I'll watch you work right, digitally. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but when you're right there next to them, you can sort of see those littler things. Um, what I've started doing is you know, asking from the beginning, like, hey, so what's your workflow like? And what, you know, what plugins do you use? What things like that? So that way, you know, we make sure that I understand exactly where they're at when it comes to using the tools. Yeah, it's almost like, uh, like teaching like process workshops to your team. Yeah, exactly. So in, uh, in the world, but more specifically in our industry as designers, there's lots of things going wrong. Alongside all the, I, I want to acknowledge there's lots of great going on, but there's tons of wrong. There's lots of 
sexism and racism and homophobia and transphobia and hate and bigotry and we could go on and on and on but let's let's sort of bundle that and like what is your stand what what do you think is like the right way for designers to interact with our industry and deal with the sort of hate and bigotry that's all around us, uh, not just globally, but specifically in our industry? Um, Really good question, but I don't know that I have an answer. And I think that's mainly because I've been very lucky to never have to deal with it in the design industry. I think maybe part of that is being in Toronto, where it's such a diverse city and such a diverse culture that I've, I've never really been in a situation where I felt that myself or even seen other people around me feeling that. So I don't know that I'm the best person to ask for advice about it, just because I haven't really dealt with it much. I mean, that's that's a pretty good answer. I think there's some advice buried in there about the benefits of working outside of maybe the United States. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it exists everywhere, but it's nice that, that that's not your experience and that you've, you're have you in sort of this... Um, maybe like a, a, I don't know, higher functioning work environment, I guess I'd call it. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I have noticed here is like, you know, a lot of times we have teams that are diverse ethnically or diverse in, in the sort of demographics. But what I've really started appreciating is teams that are diverse in terms of their experience in life and background. So it could be, you know, demographics are all the same but each person's coming from like a really different way of thinking a really different way of life even just like a very different work experience so for example like we have a few engineers on our team from university of waterloo and that's like a really well-known school for their engineering graduates and then we also have some people who are like from the sales and marketing team that are coming just from like a completely different background. They haven't even worked in tech startups before. This is their first tech startup. And so having the mixture of those two come together on the team is like really interesting to see how that how their you know backgrounds and experiences come together in that way. Um, so it's not just about demographics, I think a lot of times, because you can have diverse demographics, but all the same ideas. I think, I think that touches a lot on the point that you made earlier about your team too, and, and something that I've experienced in my career of, working with non-designers has been some of the best working that I've had because you're interacting with people who have a completely different viewpoint on what's going on, what the team's building, what possible solutions are, even what their goals are. You know, a person in sales has a very different goal than someone in product. And so it's it, it's nice that to be able to interact with those people and one of, I think, the benefits of smaller teams. And would you say that there are a lot of people in Toronto that are from other countries, other cities. Yeah, I think there's a official stat somewhere that it's like 50% plus immigrants in Toronto itself. That's that's awesome. It sounds like a great place to work. Yeah. So who is one person that the listeners should know about? Well, I think he's a little more well-known these days, but I would always say Ben Thompson, who writes Stratechery. Um, I've been reading his blog since he first started in i think 2013 and now he's got a sort of paid subscription where you can get like a free weekly article and then you can get more daily updates for a hundred dollars a year which is a steal price in my opinion Um, and the reason i mention him especially for design and the design industry is because 
he comes at the technology industry from the the strategy and the business models and the incentives behind why tech companies do what they do. And when he started his blog, he did it with the specific intention of sort of offering something different than the very product focused reporting that he was seeing in the in the sort of media around technology. And that's really shaped my perspective a lot in a lot of different situations. We've had like a company initiative to say, we're going to build this new feature. We're going to build this new product. And, you know, there's some assumption at the end of it that it's, you know, in favor of the business model, we're going to do this thing. And for me as a designer or as a product person in general, being able to come in and say, hey, actually, you know, I also have a really good understanding of business and strategy. And I can come in and look at that and say, well, how about we, you know, try this tweak that might actually even make it work better for our business strategy for this reason. And so for me, like that's like my my religious reading every morning is Ben Thompson's Stratechery. That's a great recommendation. I'll put um I'll put a link to Ben's uh, paid newsletter in the show notes. Do you think that's the best place for people to find his writing? Yeah, you can always start with the free weekly articles just to sort of see what it's about. Awesome. I will link that in the show notes. And then where is the best place for people to find you? On my Twitter is at Ahmed Kalvam, and I think probably a show note link might be better than trying to spell it out right now. <laughs> I will put it in the show notes. Um, or my personal website, ahmedkalvam.com. I really enjoy it at the footer of your website. It says, and if you don't like me, contact me on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hate LinkedIn. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a great network, but just the, the app experience isn't fun for me. Right, it's one of those necessary yeah things that we have to have (laughs) (laughs) and um is there anything else that you'd want to share with our listeners stay stay positive keep your chin up there it is that's the (laughs) advice i was looking for stay positive and keep your chin up that's good (laughs) advice i think a lot of us forget that i i do from time to time definitely (laughs) thank you so much for being on bezier podcast thank you so much zach thanks for having me on